Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision. This is brought to you by the Council of Citizens of Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and it's a real, real pleasure to have with us on our show this evening um, Mr. Julian Vargas. Welcome to the show, Julian. Thank you for having me on, Dr. Bell. My pleasure. Yes, I know you had such a busy day, especially uh, flying cross-country from L.A. to New York, so I really appreciate you doing this for us. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things that so many people have questions about now is the topic of cell phones, in particular uh, the smartphones. So today I wanted to be able to interview you and to ask you questions that would help some of our listeners to make a better decision when they're shopping for a cell phone. So I guess the first question that I have for you is, what are some of the most important things that consumers should think about before buying a cell phone? Well, under normal circumstances, I would say that the very first thing that a consumer should look at would be is carrier. How well does a carrier, uh, how well is their coverage in the areas where you live and work and normally uh, travel through? Of course, in the case of the visually impaired, that's a little different because while you do have to be mindful of that, you also have to think about the type of phone that you want and the accessibility that you're looking for. So it makes things a little complicated, but uh, there's definitely a way to, uh, to narrow that decision. Yeah, I know quite a few people who have purchased some very, very fancy and expensive smartphones, but uh, based on the area that they lived in, they said it's terrible at making phone calls. So that is something that's going to be very important. And how can people usually find out what is going to be the best carrier, whether it's going to be Sprint or AT&T or Verizon uh, for their area? Is there a quick and easy way that they could find out where they would get the best reception for the area they're going to use the phone? Well, companies, of course, will give you maps that you could look at online or you can call them and, and tell them the, ge the general vicinity, and they can tell you uh, based on data that they have. But, of course, uh, that's very general information. There's a lot of things that can affect the way a cell phone works, uh, topography, what's around you, the types of buildings, what they're made of, what's around you, et cetera. So one way that I, that I would uh, recommend would be to just talk to people around you. You know, uh, people that you know, even people that you don't know. You can even call places like Radio Shack where they sell different carriers, not just one, and just ask the, the person on the phone, you know, what what, uh, what seems to work better in this area. Yeah, you know, and as a matter of fact, I live here in the suburbs of Los Angeles, and the phone that I had before, I just would drop calls constantly. And I was at a Walmart, and there was a guy talking on his phone outside, and I just asked him, you know, what carrier do you have? And he said, well, this is Sprint. And it, it really was the answer. From one area within a city to another, it could be very different. Now, what's the second uh, thing that consumers should think about other than the carrier? Um, what features they want uh, and also what they want to pay for service because uh, things vary out there. Obviously, if you want to be with one of the big-name carriers, you're going to be paying a little bit more for service. Uh, whereas maybe some people really want the most bang for their buck, and then they go with what's known as a, an MVNO or a, uh, a discount carrier, which is basically a company that buys airtime wholesale from one of the big carriers and then rebrands it and sells it uh, generally for a cheaper price. 
I see. Now, I know that there's so many different things that people could do with a smartphone. Uh, you could use it like a computer to send and receive email. You could send and receive text message. You could surf the Internet. I know you could do GPS and all these other things. Um, let's say that there is a person out there who is visually impaired and really is looking for a phone that would be able to scan maybe a memo or a piece of mail or even a can of soup and read it to them aloud. Um, what kind of a smartphone would you recommend for one who wants to scan and have it read aloud? Well, if somebody is really uh, caring a lot about OCR, I would say at this point, hands down, the KNFB Reader Mobile is the best OCR software out there available for mobile phones. Uh, those, of course, run on the Symbian phones put up by Nokia. Um, a lot of those phones uh, are older phones. They're not made anymore. And some of the newer Symbian phones that are out now are touchscreen, which can also complicate things a little bit for people. Um, Nokia, unfortunately, has decided to uh, back away from the Symbian operating system, which is a shame. Uh, but it's understandable because there wasn't a whole lot of development going toward that field, and they have to go where the money is, and that um, means one of the newer operating systems that are hot these days. So if somebody really, really cares a lot about using their phone as, a, as, a, uh, as an OCR reading device, I would have to say the KNFB reader, and if they can get a hold of either an N86 from Nokia or even an N82, which is better, uh, that would be the way to go. And how might one still find some of these phones, for example, the Nokia N82 or the N86, to use uh, with the KNFB mobile software? Well, some of the dealers of KNFB Reader Mobile went and bought a lot of these phones and keep them on hand to sell as a whole package, uh, which is actually one of the better ways to uh, to get the, the thing if that's what you really want. Um so they went out and bought maybe hundreds of those Nokia phones, and they stockpiled them. So when you call them and, and you want to buy the reader, uh, you can typically still get them that way. But they are becoming fewer and fewer. Uh, of course, if one is a little more daring uh, and willing to try a little bit of doing things on your own, you can certainly go to eBay and places like that and buy them on auction. I see. Now, if a person one, wanted to use their cell phone say that they're a business person and they're off to different towns they want to scan and read, what would be the cost of something like that, the N82 or the N86 phone plus the KNFB software? Uh, what would be the cost of something like that approximately? It's pricey. I know that the software itself uh, sells for uh, just a little under $1,000. And then, of course, the phone can be anywhere from... Uh, Three to uh, to five hundred on top of that cost. It just depends on the dealer, and uh, and what kind of package deals they have going. So, I would say think about spending anywhere from thirteen to fifteen hundred, roughly. Just uh, you know, and of course you would contact the dealer to get a, a fixed price. Uh, but that's not the ballpark you're looking at, unless of course you might find one used, which uh, I've seen a few of those on eBay. Uh, now with a lot of people switching to the newer phones, like the iPhone, for example. Uh, there are people who have KNFB reader setups and are willing to let them go for considerably less just because uh, they're, they've moved on to a different platform, which no longer supports the KNFB reader. Now, with a setup like that, that is about $1,000 for the software, $500 perhaps for the phone, does one 
still have to purchase a, another software to either magnify the screen on the Nokia N86 or to read it for the user? Yes, uh, the, the screen reader is not part of the uh, of the canopy reader. The canopy reader only provides speech for its own operations. But these dealers uh, that that sell this package typically also uh, have deals where it includes the screen reader as well. It might be a little bit more. And again, you might contact the various dealers to see what kind of deals you can get. A lot of times around conventions, uh, that's a good time to buy them because they're usually there at the conventions, like the NFB. Uh, National Convention, they typically have dealers there, and a lot of times they have uh, good deals for a convention. Great. So uh, what about a person who is interested in doing some occasional scanning, but they don't want to spend $1,700 for the hardware and the software? Is there another type of smartphone that you have found to be fairly effective in being able to scan something and read it aloud? Well, there is, of course, the iPhone, um, which is what a lot of blind people are, are wanting to go to these days, and understandably so, because uh, unlike the Nokia phones that I mentioned, the iPhone comes with the screen reader and magnification uh, accessibility built in natively to the operating system, which means that you pay the same price that everybody else pays for the phone, and it's just a matter of going into settings and enabling those features. So... That's one way to do it, and there are some packages out there. Even uh, There's even a free package out there called uh, Say Text uh, in the uh, Apple App Store. But I'll tell you right now, it, it doesn't work nearly as well as the reader. The camera function of the iPhone appears not to be as good as what's found in the Nokia. Either it's the quality of the lens that they use, or I've even heard people say that it's the uh, the, uh, the interface with the camera, the API that the camera uses is just not as good as what's found in the Nokia phones. So it's just not as reliable. It doesn't handle the images as well. It takes a little bit more work, but uh, it is doable. The one that seems to be uh, that I've been reading a lot of good things about is one called Prismo, P-R-I-Z-M-O. Uh, if you've looked up, up in the uh, iTunes store, uh, it's only $10, so a far cry from the $1,000. And it does take some jumping through hoops and learning how to work with it and position the phone. But on the VI phone list that, that I uh, belong to, uh, there's a lot of uh, email traffic that goes through there. And uh, people have submitted samples of things that they scanned, and they scan things out of books and encyclopedias and all kinds of interesting things. And it seems to work fairly well. Wow, and for $10, you know, as you, as you really think about it, I really don't know how the manufacturers of... Prismo, how they really could make much profit yet at that type of a price. Well, Prismo started out, believe it or not, as a uh, a, pack, a software to help people scan business cards. You know, when you're on the go and you get business cards from people, it was a way to scan business cards to enable them to quickly put them into their contact list. But then it was discovered that if you just do a little bit of tweaking with it. It works well with the voiceover function built into the iPhone, and they made this version of it that uh, can be used for uh, OCR. So it's just one of those things that you know was originally not intended to, to have this function, but it turns out to work well, so it's, it uh, inadvertently ended up uh, serving a need. Now, I know that there are many, many partially sighted and totally blind individuals who are using 
uh, the iPhone, especially the iPhone 4. And you mentioned that it does come in with a screen magnifier and also text-to-speech built in for free. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And uh, what are some other reasons that a lot of the listeners might want to use uh, the iPhone? Is Are there many service providers, or is it still where you could only use AT&T? Well, here in the U.S., uh, AT&T for the longest time was the exclusive carrier of the iPhone, but uh, uh, in February of uh, this year, uh, Verizon started carrying the iPhone 4 as well. So you can get it uh, either through AT&T or Verizon, uh, subsidized, of course, which is most appealing to people, especially those on low incomes. You can, however, if you want to spend the bucks, go and buy one that's imported from another country such as Canada or the U.K., for example, where over there they're allowed to sell them unlocked if one pays full price for them, which in my opinion should that's the way it should be here as well, but I digress. Uh, but there you're paying full price for it, plus whatever is involved in importing it, or you know, a lot of times companies or individuals will go and buy them and then resell them on eBay at, of course, a hefty profit. So for most people, I would say that get it through AT&T or through Verizon, whichever one uh, works better for you in terms of service or cost or what have you. And with the iPhone 4, uh, what are some of the different types of functions that one one may do with the iPhone 4? Uh, so many things this little device does. <laughs> I'm currently speaking on an iPhone 4, and it's just incredible the the, uh, the ways that I have found to use this device. Uh, aside from the OCR stuff that we talked about, uh, there are barcode scanning apps, and I use this all the time now when I go grocery shopping, which has taken a lot of the headache and eye strain out of it. I'm uh, low vision, and I used to have to rely on a magnifier. I still carry it with me, but I don't have to use it nearly as much because now I, I, I know the general layout of my store, so I know where things are for the most part. So I can get to the area, but then I used to have to hold things up to a magnifier and read and read and read and read. And after a while, anybody who has low vision knows that uh, this eye strain that comes into play, it gets rather tiring, and you can only do so much. Well, this takes the stress out of it because all I, all I have to do is hold this thing up and point it to the area where the barcode, which for me having low vision, I have a little bit of an advantage that I can see generally where it might be. Um but even when I'm not sure, I know, for example, in cans, you look for the barcode near where the crease of the label is on boxes. You typically find them either at the bottom edge of the box uh, or sometimes the side, the lower end of the side. So it's a little tips and tricks you figure out, but it has made it tremendously uh, easier to grocery shop. Another app that I use is a money identifier by a company called LookTel, which I believe sells for $1.99. And this thing very accurately and quickly identifies all U.S. currency. That's amazing. And it's just, uh, I was so happy about a year ago when I bought my iBill for $100. It was such a major development to be able to have a portable currency identifier. And this is built into the phone for $1.99, huh? Yeah, I, I, I like you. I was the same thing. I, I thought that was the biggest innovation is to have something, a $100 currency identifier that you can carry in your pocket. Well, this totally blows that away because uh, it's considerably cheaper and, quite frankly, easier to use in the iBill because all you have to – it's a very simple app. You just launch the app, hold it over the, 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 the currency about six inches above it, and literally within less than a half a second at times, 
it tells you what it is, and the money can be folded, it can be crumpled, it, it doesn't matter. As long as it recognizes the pattern of the artwork on the on the bill, it'll tell you what it is quickly. Now, you had mentioned that you do have a bar code reader application and uh, for your iPhone 4. What is the cost of something like that, and what was the name of the one that you're using? It's called Digit Eyes, D-I-G-I-T-E-Y-E-S, and believe it or not, it costs all of $30. Now, I know some people are going to say, oh, that's a lot of money for an app, considering that a lot of apps in the store are either free or 99 cents or what have you. But keep in mind that barcode scanners, uh, prior to this, were about 1500 to $2,000. For a standalone, very heavy, bulky device that you had to carry with you along with your heavy groceries, this is an app that you install into the phone, and the phone is something you typically have with you at all times. Now, can the iPhone 4, can it do any type of OCR scanning? I know you uh, do have the Canopy Mobile, and you did mention that that is the best in terms of with OCR scanning with a cell phone, but... Is there a application for the iPhone 4 that can actually still maybe scan a menu and read it for you if you're at a restaurant? Yeah, the, the, the apps that I mentioned before, say text, which is free, can do that, although say text really works well, much better with things like a letter that you get in the mail, something with plain text, not a lot of graphics or gloss to it. Uh, Prismo is the app that I mentioned before that sells for nine ninety nine, and that one seems to do uh, a little better. Uh, AI Squared recently introduced something called Zoom Reader, which... Uh, is mostly targeted toward the low vision crowd and it turns your phone into a video magnifier as well as an OCR uh, function although I have to say it, uh, I think it still needs some work it's it's not quite there uh, I hope that in the future they will continue to improve upon it and perhaps it can become something that even can be a service to the totally blind community yes I, I did see that and I think that for a lot of our listeners from uh, who are low vision the partially sighted I think that you might really appreciate it. it does have about 5x magnification, so you don't also have to carry around a hand magnifier if you have your cell phone. So basically, we're talking about still under $100 in application costs. You, you really have a very, very wide variety of programs that you could use. Yeah. Much more. I mean, I can, I can go on for hours, but there's great navigation and GPS apps as well. Uh, Sendero Group, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of, that makes the GPS uh, for the Braille uh, note or the note taker products as well as a mobile geo for the Windows mobile phones, also has a product called Sendero Lookaround, which you can buy for all of $4.95 that can be used to tell you things like what your nearest intersection is. It tries to approximate the address you might be at. You can use it to look up nearest points of interest. Although there are other apps out there that are totally free that can do that and more. Uh, one that I like a lot is called Around Me. Uh, that one is a great way to find a, a lot of the different kinds of businesses near you, and you can narrow down. You can be specific as to whether you want a restaurant or a hotel or a bank. You can do searches for it. Um, I'm trying to think of so many things. One that I really like is not actually an app. But for anybody who rides buses, this is great. It's, it's a website that you can go to and then save an icon, uh, that sort of like a shortcut right on your home screen. It's called nextbus.com, N-E-X-T-B-U-S.com. Uh, it's 
works with a lot of different transit providers all across the country, and it gets the GPS data from the bus. On that, it can give you predictions as to when that bus is scheduled to arrive at a location near you. So it doesn't go by a schedule because sometimes buses don't uh, don't uh, stay within schedule. They run late sometimes. This has been so useful to me. Wow. Now, you know, with all of these applications, I'm just trying to visualize as a, as a blind user myself, I'm trying to visualize how difficult is it for you to find which application you want to use on your iPhone? Well, there's a few places that I would recommend. I highly recommend it's a user group, a Google user group called VI Phones. Um, I, it's a mailing list. And it's a, it's a very busy list, so if you don't like a lot of things in your inbox, maybe it's not the thing for you. But if you really want to learn about the iPhone, that's a great list because it's just iPhone users. And it's amazing how you can go out there and ask a question and sometimes within seconds get the answer to your question. Uh, there's also a website called applevis.com, A-P-P-L-E-V-I-S.com. And there, uh, they have a list of, app- of applications that are known to be accessible with voiceover, and uh, people write about them and comment on them. There's also a great book uh, written by uh, Dean Martineau and Anne Dresna. It's put out through uh, uh, National Braille Press. It's called Getting Started with the iPhone. And these are two blind people that uh, effectively take you from the beginning all the way through how to use it. And even at the end, there's a journal from one of them chronicling one uh, they got started with the iPhone and all the frustrations and everything that they went through all the way to the success that they've had. Wow, that's great. Well, you know, I, I, I know that there's so many people who are so pleased with their iPhone, but I know so also that the Android operating system is becoming very popular. And let's say, for example, there's a user who lives in the area that Sprint is really the best service provider. And as a result, they don't want to buy an iPhone because the iPhone is not available through Sprint. Can you give us some uh, advice and some comments about <coughs> Android operating systems? Because is it true that they are available through almost all carriers? Yeah, unlike the iPhone, uh, Android is Google's operating system, and there are many more varieties of Android phones on all the carriers. Every carrier has at least two or three, if not more, Android phones that they now carry these days all the major carriers, that is. Uh, so there's a lot of choice out there. The, the problem is that Android is not nearly as accessible as the iPhone. It, it's getting there, and there are some who are uh, quite willing to uh, tinker with it and enjoy uh, exploring it and finding the workarounds, and they've had a lot of success with it. But I would say that at this point, if, if you're not uh, a techno geek that likes to tinker with this stuff, uh, I wouldn't recommend Android as of yet. Um, there's good steps being made in that direction. Code Factory recently released something called Mobile Accessibility, which uh, has made uh, some functions of the phone accessible. But it still requires that you have a phone uh, with either a keyboard or at least a trackball to be able to navigate it, especially if you plan to use it uh, outside of the 10 accessible little apps that they include with it to access the basic phone functions. And another thing I would add is that um, from what I've read and understand about the mobile accessibility, it works best with phones that run what's known as vanilla Android. And what that basically means is 
a version of Android that doesn't have an overlay or any kind of customization done by either the manufacturer or the carrier. Uh, so typically, like the Google Nexus One that came out a while back is one of those. The Nexus S that is currently out for some carriers is, is, is runs vanilla Android. I believe that Sprint either has or is soon going to get a version of the Nexus S that uh, that will work with it. So that's the way to go. But again, uh, if you're going to want to use things outside of the accessible apps that come with mobile accessibility, you want a phone that's got a a keyboard with arrow keys or a trackball. Yes, you know, I personally do own a HTC Hero, which is an Android-based operating system, and I went to download a look around. And when I went to download it, it says it wasn't compatible with my particular phone. So I then did download the free version of the Code Factory mobile accessibility for Android for free, and it was very helpful. Um, What's kind of a neat thing is that it almost takes over your interface of your phone and it gives you 10 things that you could basically do. Uh, you could make a call. You could go to your contacts. You could send text messages. You could go to your email, surf the Internet. They have a uh, GPS, which is quite minimal, but it says, where am I? And it will tell you the address of where you're at. It allows you to also go to some of your applications. But there's two, well, three problems that I have found, and I, I still am looking for a solution. One of them is that when I leave one of those uh, uh, interfaces that's from the mobile accessible to try to use another application, it doesn't work. I don't have any type of speech. So if I leave that to try a different application, uh, I lose speech. Number two the other problem that I have is that when I am there to make a phone call, and if the business that I'm calling it says dial 204 for accounting, 203, my keyboard doesn't work for that. And then number three, Code Factory, they do not have any type of telephone support that I could find. Um, so do you know of any other types of nice websites or groups that are, are really good for Android? Um, you know, I'm sure that there is an equivalent user group for Android. I, I would go into Google Groups and search for it because I'm sure there's got to be a visually impaired uh, group for Android. If nothing else, you can check with the accessible phones list uh, run by Jonathan Mosen. Uh, there might be, you can ask there, and I'm sure somebody will pipe up because I see some Android discussion on that list from time to time. But what you're talking about is exactly what I was referring to before, is that once you get out of that little uh, walled garden, so to speak, of 10 accessible apps on the phone, you're in a little bit of a no-man's land. And this is where you have to be one of those intrepid people with a lot of uh, uh, patience and determination to uh, want to explore and tinker around and find workarounds. Android does come with a screen reader built into it as well. It's called TalkBack. I think there's another free one you can get out there called Spiel. Uh, but again, th these are not quite as polished as what you get with the Apple experience. So uh, it really depends on the kind of person that you are. But if you're somebody who doesn't want to tinker with all that and you want something that's going to be a little bit more accessible, a little more refined with uh, more apps that are known to be accessible, I would have to say the iPhone is a better way to go. 
Yeah, and I, and I anticipate, though, Android is going to really come along quickly because it is open source. There's going to be more and more people building programs for the Android operating system. So that's going to be really helpful for all of us with low vision. Now, Julian, what, I, about, what about a person, Julian, who works for a company? For example, I have a lot of my patients that work for companies, and the entire company is using BlackBerry as their smartphone. Can you, can you give us any types of comments or suggestions of how to make a BlackBerry phone accessible? Well, BlackBerry phones, there is a product, but it only works on some BlackBerry phones, not all. Uh, it's made, uh, it's a collaborative effort between Humanware and Code Factory, and uh, it's called Oratio. So, um, Oratio Talks or MobileSpeak was for the Symbian phones. It's a separate screen reader that you have to buy and install into your BlackBerry, uh, which makes the phone accessible. But from what I understand, uh, most of the apps that are supported by Oratio are the ones that are natively uh, on the phone. Like when you get the phone, the apps that come pre-installed, it doesn't. It's not known to play very well with apps that didn't come installed in the phone. So I don't. I, I have to admit, I haven't totally kept up with the developments there because it's not the platform I use, and I think a lot of uh, m- most of the people. Uh, probably tend to shy away from that unless, of course, they are business types or people who work for companies that require this. Um, it, it is out there, but it works on some phones, not all the BlackBerry. So you have to check with Humanware or Code Factory to see if your phone is supported by it. Yeah, and I believe it, I believe it is quite limited. I, I believe, if my memory serves me right, I believe it is the mm. BlackBerry Curve, and it has to be on AT&T. And I believe the cost of the software or ratio is over four hundred dollars, so it, it yeah. does get to be kind of expensive there. So, yeah. well, gosh, you know, this is some really, really great information. So, to kind of summarize, I guess the first thing is to make certain that you're with a provider that's going <laughs> to work in the area where you are making your phone calls, and then number two, try to identify what you really want to do with your your phone, and then. Number three, which is also very important, look at cost. You know, I think that's also something that's really important. Now, um, are there certain types of stores or distributors or vendors that, that you might recommend throughout the country that have a lot of experience who could answer a lot of questions or people who have questions? Uh, in terms of cell phones, you know, there's not a lot of stores that I know of out there that really specialize in this. Most cell phone stores uh, are not even aware of accessibility functions or screen readers and such. So, uh, again, I, I go back to Apple. It's, it's the one mainstream store that I've been to where most of the time when I've gone in there, but this is before I got the iPhone and I was researching it, I would go and spend hours in there. And I would say that about eight out of ten times that I would, come to the salesperson and say, I need to have voiceover put on. They knew they knew exactly how to do it. I didn't even have to tell them how to do it. They knew what it was. They knew how to activate it. They may not have known exactly how to navigate it as well, but that's okay because I had listened to some podcasts and done some reading, so I had some background. But at least they knew what it was, they, they, and they knew how to, uh, how to activate it. You don't find this most of the time with your run-of-the-mill stores. Mm-hmm. Um, some companies like Sendero Group might be a good one to talk to because I know they sell... 
uh, the mobile geo products for the Windows mobile phones, and they also sell the KNFB reading products. So that would be a good place to talk to. Um, Handy Tech North America, I know, sells a lot of the screen readers as well for phones. So, uh, Vision Q uh, up in Oregon, I believe, uh, they're another good company that uh, carries some of the things like that. Oh, that's real helpful. And how about if any of our, our listeners, if they have a question, can they send you an email or uh, call you? Do you have any uh, contact information that you would like to share? Absolutely. Um, I uh, do a lot of training and consulting of people who need help in this area. So if anybody wants to get a hold of me uh, by email, I can be reached at prtblaccess at gmail.com. That's basically portable without the vowels, access at gmail.com. Or by phone, I can be reached at area code 818-794-9554. And can you say your phone number one more time? Yeah. It's area code 818-794-9554. Well, that's great. This is just some really, really helpful uh, information. And at this time, we're going to ask uh, you to unmute your phone if you would like to ask a question to Julian. And you unmute your phone by pressing star six. And again, this is going to be recorded. So if you don't want your name to be known as we're recording it, uh, you don't have to announce your name. You can just go ahead and ask Julian a question. Are there any? Or you can make up a really cool pseudonym. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Julian, I had a quick comment. Um, sure, the go term, ahead. The term ice-free is really important in Android. It describes two things. It's, there's a mailing list called the ice-free mailing list where you get a lot of the Android accessibility questions answered. Plus, there's also something called the ice-free shell that uh, you can use a touch screen on Android, and it's pretty accessible. Well, see, I knew there are people out there who probably know more in that area than I do because I've kind of stayed away from it just because uh, I, I, as much as I do like to tinker with some things when I'm out and about, I, uh, I just kind of want a phone that works and works well without too much complication. So I tend to stick to things like that, but uh, that's good information. And, yeah, I've heard of the Ice Free Project, so it's, it's good to know. And I honestly, truth be told, uh, when Android becomes as polished and as accessible as iOS, more than likely I will be going to that because I, inherently I tend to prefer open source uh, operating systems. I hate the proprietariness of Apple and how you kind of have to do things their way or no way. So I, I would love to see, and I keep hoping, and I, and I have every reason to believe that uh, that they will come where Android catches up to and if not surpasses uh, the accessibility found in iOS. And how does one contact the Eyes Free? Is that eyesfree.org? Is that a website? It's a it's a mailing list on Google Groups, I believe. Okay, and how how would some of our listeners try to find that then? Uh, you should be able to Google uh, Eyes Free mailing list. Okay, so just Google Eyes E Y E S F R E E mailing list. Is that right? Correct. Okay, great. Thank you. Do we have another question? I have a question. Uh, does the um, key reader uh, work with a track phone? Well, um, 
I uh, I don't know offhand what type of because I think TrackPhone works with several different types of carriers. Meaning, again, TrackPhone is one of those uh, what I called MVNOs before that uh, that basically rents or buys wholesale airtime from a big carrier and then resells it. And some of these actually work with both the GSM and CDMA carriers, which uh, AT&T and T-Mobile are your GSM carriers in the U.S. and Sprint and Verizon are your CDMA carriers in the U.S. So you have to find out what type of carrier it is. If they, in fact, work with a GSM carrier, uh, then you should be able to buy a uh, an unlocked N82 or N86, something like that, and pop the SIM card in there for, um, for the carrier that you want, and it should work. Uh, I should point out, too, that you don't have to have phone service to use the KNFB reader. A lot of people buy it just to use as a standalone OCR device. So phone service is not required to make that function work. Uh, the only time that you need the SIM card is if you want to use this device as a phone as well. Thank you. Are the voices uh, on the software more natural than phonetic? For somebody with hearing aids, that's a big difference. I know that with talks, the screen reader, as well as um, MobileSpeak, they do have various voices. Uh, MobileSpeak has one that's really popular. It's called Acapella Heather, and that one's a little bit more natural-sounding. It's a woman's voice. On talks, by nuance, uh, they do have the vocalizer voices, which is basically the same kind of voice that you get <laughs> in the iPhone, uh, the Samantha and, and voices like that. Thank you. Uh, do, we have, do we have another question there, please? Yeah, this is Tom from Vermont. It's not a question, but uh, two things. I'm in a very rural area of Vermont, and I have no cell phone coverage at home. And the thing I have is AT&T, and I assume Verizon has the same thing, a micro cell that I attach to my uh, cable modem because I have Comcast here, and it so in my house, I have five bars. It turns. I have my own little cell phone tower upstairs. So that's one way you can have access uh, for a cell phone. And the other thing is the U.S. Mint or the Treasury as a free identifier, uh, money identifier now. That has worked very, very well. I also own the Looktel. I bought that immediately. But the U.S. Treasury now has a free one. And the nice thing about that, it'll say $5 back or $5 front, so you know whether you're looking at the front or the back of the bill. And is that, yes. a, Tom, is that an application for a particular type of smartphone? Just for the iPhone, I believe, right now. And how, was one, how does one find that? Do they just go to usmint.gov? Uh, no, it's on the I, iTunes store. On the oh, iPhone. okay. So it's on an the application. IPhone, on the iPhone store. And I don't remember <laughs> what I looked under, but if you're under the iPhone list serves uh, that Julian mentioned, it was in there. Wow, that's yeah, I believe cool. another advantage of that application, too, is that it, it vibrates. You can turn it to, on to actually vibrate your phone a certain number of times instead of speaking the amount out loud. Oh, that's very good. That's very yeah, similar good. to how the iBill works. That way you can have some privacy. That's great. Also for deaf blind, if you can't if you can't hear it, you can also identify bills. 
Well, thank you for that tip. How about another question for Julian? Yeah, are you familiar with the uh, jitterbug phone, Julian? Yes, somewhat. I, I don't use it, but uh, I know about them. The jitterbug is a very basic phone. Uh, it doesn't have really a whole lot of bells and whistles. It's more or less designed uh, for people who really don't want all the complexities that come with today's uh, smartphones or even feature phones. They just want something that makes and receives calls very easily with big buttons and a large display. And uh, that's a, it's a good uh, it's a good candidate for somebody who's looking for something like that. Yeah, because I I have one of those and I've had it for almost a year and very happy with it because I didn't want bells and whistles and have to deal with a tiny little keyboard and. Um, surf the internet or use it as a camera and the neat thing it, uh, about it too you have operator assistance by dialing the zero and yep. um, if you're visually impaired you can have your ophthalmologist fax a, a letter to them that the operator assistance is free that they don't charge the minutes for that yeah, that's a really good recommendation for a lot of people who are not interested in a smartphone, where they don't want to do all of these special things with surfing the Internet and email and GPS. Uh, a basic phone, such as a jitterbug, is very good. And I'll also um, like to just state that in some states, for example, in California, they sometimes are offering the jitterbug as part of their free telephone access plan. So I have had some patients here in California where they say that they needed a cell phone to be able to contact the telephone, I mean, excuse me, the cab or their access drivers, and a program called CTAP, California Telephone Access Program, they even provided the jitterbug phone uh, to these patients. So, yeah, that's a good comment. It is, and to expand a little bit, when you mentioned operator service, what's nice about their operator service is that they can dial numbers for you, even from your contact list. So let's say you know you want to, somebody wants to call their their grandson or their granddaughter. If they've got them listed under granddaughter or grandson or, or by their name, they can just tell the operator, okay, uh, can, I'm trying to call this person, and I believe they can put the call through. Yeah, they can, and that would come in handy for people that are totally blind, especially. And it, and it does have voice dial, but sometimes the voice dialer gets confused, especially if you're in a noisy environment. Great, thank you. Are there um, other questions, Mr. Julian? Mr. Julian, question oh. about the speech, uh, the speech access. You know, I'm in, uh, in that bilingual or trilingual environment. Say if I want to use iPhone for surfing the you know the the website in in Chinese and in English uh, almost on a daily basis, could you comment on that in you know, how the iPhone you know that how does it work there? The iPhone has a lot of languages built into it, which is really nice. I use this uh, all the time because I'm, I'm bilingual as well. So sometimes uh, I have people that put on their Facebook update or something in Spanish. And I've got it set up to where I can switch my voices on the iPhone to a Spanish TTS. So I can very easily switch that Spanish TTS, and it reads 
the content in the way that it's supposed to sound, as opposed to the way it would normally sound with the default English voice. I don't know if Chinese is covered, but I know they got I, it's a whole long list of different TTSs. You can go through them, and they they cover a lot of different languages. And could you, you know, that uh, create a hotkey to switch from one language to another? Uh, no, you don't create a hotkey. But on the iPhone, you have this motion that you do on the screen called a rotor. And the way it works is you put your two fingers on the screen and you act like the way you would turning a knob. You make that motion on the screen, and you can switch between different things. And one of them is what's called the language. And when you're on language, then you can flick up or down with a finger and switch between the languages that you add to the rotor. And that's the other thing is you can add the languages that you want to that language rotor. So that when you, if you know, for example, that you're mostly going to want to read things in Chinese or or Spanish or things like that, you can add those languages to your rotor so that you can easily switch between them, as opposed to having to to go through the many many languages that are covered by. Uh, By the TTSs uh, in the normal settings. Very good. And just another note there, as we talk about different languages, if you're interested in a smartphone that would scan and read in different languages, that KNFB reader will read in different languages, and it also has some translation for some languages. Tom, Tom Lelos, is that you, yeah. Tom? Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, getting kind of going backwards just a little bit, uh, just this kind of between the jitterbug and then these iPhones that you guys are really uh, working with. I have found one made by Samsung, and it's called the Haven, and it's a phone that has a larger screen than most cell phones. Uh, it's got less buttons than than these fancy ones you guys are using. Therefore, the buttons that it has are bigger. And it everything it does, it talks to you. And so that's kind of been the one that we've uh, uh, migrated to to like it. Yeah, I would say that the Haven is sort of the, the step between uh, the phones like the Jitterbug and then some of the smartphones for so somebody who right. might want a little bit more than what the Jitterbug offers. Uh, the Samsung Haven is a good alternative, and you're right; it, it speaks all of the functions. Uh, with its built-in screen reader, this phone is available through Verizon and very cheap, I might add, compared to the cost of other phones. Well, to give you an idea of cheap, uh, we already had a Verizon phone, and we signed up for a two-year contract, which didn't bother us because this is Verizon country where we're at. Phone didn't cost us a thing. Well, you can't beat that. The... You can't beat that, Tom. <laughs> That's very well, I just good. Thought I'd throw that out, guys. Yes, that's really helpful. You can't beat that problem. Okay. Thank you. I had a quick question. Um, do any of these smartphones have direct access to 911 systems or to the nearest cell tower? So if you're in trouble, you can request help. Um, there are Haven has a one one button right on it. You just push it. Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, that's no, good. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's true. That there is that the Haven also has a nice thing called ICE, which stands for in case of emergency, and you can program certain numbers into there that are to be called. Like let's say uh, something happens to you when you're out and about and, and you're unconscious or whatever, or you get hurt, and they want to know how to contact your loved ones. They can hit that ICE button, 
and that allows them to have direct access to people who you set up in there. It's almost like having, you know, when you go places, sometimes they ask for an emergency contact. Well, this is like having that list with you at all times. So that's a good thing. As far as some of the other phones that may not support the feature, some of them, like the Nokia phones, give you the ability to set speed dials. And you can easily uh, set it up. Uh, I know I've seen people do this where on the Nokia phones, uh, you can press and hold the 9 button, and you can set that up to be a direct call to 911. And as a side note from that, I had heard uh, an interview at one time, and this was a highway patrol officer here in California, where they actually recommended, though, that in many cases you might want to have a direct telephone number to either the highway patrol or to a police station rather than 911 because it could be faster. So it's another thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. We have time for about two more questions. I know that somebody here just got an iPad, and does anybody there have any questions on the iPad? <laughs> I'm the one that just got an iPad. Yeah. Um, yes, how about a question? And I'm, I'm just learning it. But I'm listening to the phones because a lot of the language that I'm using for the iPad I now understand because it has to do with the phones too, which is, which is good because um, this is technology information I didn't have before. Um, I'm interested, although the iPhone sounds fabulous, I, the Haven sounded interesting because it's not going to be quite as complicated as the iPhone from what I'm understanding. Um since I have a lot of things on the iPad, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to need them on the phone. Any comments on the two of them together? Well, I mean, that's strictly up to the individual what they want or don't have and how many devices they want to carry. I'll say this much, though. Um, I think you'll find that once you start using your iPod Touch a lot more and start downloading more and more apps and start seeing the usefulness of some of these apps uh, when you're out and about, uh, you may eventually want to get the iPhone. For example, the, uh, the barcode scanning apps that I mentioned, uh, you're not going to be able to use that on the go unless the place you go to has a Wi-Fi connection that you can get onto. So if your grocery store doesn't have a Wi-Fi that you have access to, you're not going to be able to use a barcode scanner when you're grocery shopping. Uh, same with the, uh, some of the GPS apps, because some of them require access to uh, to the Internet to get their data. And you're not going to be able to do that on the go on a bus or something like that with the iPod Touch. So it's ultimately up to you, and sometimes you have to try to think a little long-term. But I would say in the interim, um, the uh, you know, if, if that works for you, uh, then certainly the, the Haven is a good thing to carry with you. But in the meantime, I, I think you'll find that you, you may want to have some of these functions available to you at all times, and instead of having to carry multiple devices, it's kind of right. convenient to have it all in one. I'm going to take the last question as we get ready to close. Um, Julian, I know that there's many people who are using their smartphone as a computer in so many ways, where they type memos, they might even do word processing, and what are some of your thoughts or recommendations about attachable or even Bluetooth keyboards for a person who really wants to type quickly on a touch phone? Uh, yes, I just got one of these not too long ago myself. It's a uh, foldable Bluetooth keyboard. It's one that's no longer being manufactured, unfortunately, so I got it uh, through an eBay auction. 
And I'm loving this thing, and it's great for traveling because it allows me to. Uh, I mean, it's gotten to the point where I prefer sometimes to check my email with the iPhone as opposed to sitting down at a computer. But the thing that's always been annoying is trying to type on the touchscreen, which I cannot type nearly as fast on a touchscreen as I can on a physical keyboard. So this has really solved a lot of that problem for me, is that if I get an email that I want to send a quick response to, instead of having to wait till I'm at home to type it out because it's lengthy, I can just whip out my folding Bluetooth keyboard and type out a response. So I think we're going to find that as time goes on, uh, the smartphone is becoming people's main computer. Just It's kind of like the way the laptop in some ways has replaced the desktop. And then you got you had these netbooks that were popular for a while. I think if things like tablet uh, computers like the uh, iPad uh, and the Android tablets that are out there now and the iPhone, the, the Android phones, slowly but surely are becoming the computers. Case in point, the processor in this iPhone that I'm currently speaking on is exa- is about as it's, it's actually faster than the one that I had in my first desktop computer that I bought <laughs> some time ago. So yeah. uh, it's just getting to the point, and the iPhone 5 is rumored to be twice as fast as this one. It's going to have a dual-core processor. So these are becoming the, the, the personal computer of the future. Well, you know, all that this means is it's good for all of us. It mm-hmm. really just means that things are getting better for us, and we as people with low vision... We no longer are forced to have to buy additional software. We're now with the iPhone, or whether it's going to be with a Jitterbug, or it could be with the Haven, or uh, the Android phones out of the package or ready to go. Well, I thank you so much, Julian, for all of your expertise, and uh, uh, will you come back one day and tell us more? Absolutely. Okay, this is great. Well, I want to thank all of you for listening this evening to Let's Talk Low Vision. And this is going to be recorded. We want to thank Airs LA and Mr. Dick Burden at www.airsaisla.org. And we will have this up on the CCLVI website. So thank you, everybody, and we look forward to seeing you next month.